Welcome to selfdiscoverymedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Author's Kiss, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. Happy New Year to everyone. We're bringing you a wonderful book and author to start your new year off in. I feel your pain so you don't have to. Mm, what does that mean? Um, can somebody take the pain away from you? It's not about the um, cure. It's about the pain that we live in. And how can it be taken away? Mm, this is very interesting. The uh, Jadarsam Institute will strive to take your pain away forever with a drug-free treatment that really works. We make no claims about curing cancer or healing rheumatitis, but uh, the method was not a cure, but we promised to remove your pain so you can get on with living again. Can't live with the pain? Get rid of it forever. It's all about the case. Delaney and Asher run the Office of, of City Oversight. The role to expose the scam the deep Berg city safe from unscrupulous contractors when something looks too good to be true it has to be a scam right what if the scam works what kind of scam is that well with a 308 complaints against the company as, uh, that are suddenly withdrawn it gets Delaney's interest when he meets Mr Abrams owner of the last bookshop in the city he learns he paid 30 grand to the Jihadsam Institute to be rid of his pain Seems it worked for a month. Delaney knows something about this stinks, but what exactly? And as the contract says, any pain after that is the new pain uh, and crivet emptor. In other words, you don't get your money back. So uh, the author, Sam Hawksmore, is my brother. And you know this because I've interviewed him before, very proud of his writing, speak of him often. And I love all of his books. They're always intriguing. They always take you somewhere where you don't figure that is the where we're going. Um, I have spoken about his books many times on other shows because they're relative to the topic that we're talking about right now. And right now, there is a lot of pain being felt. You know, the emotional pain leads to physical pain. And really, people, if they could pay for someone just to get rid of their pain, they would. But it is too good to be true isn't it? Well, this is an adventure. It's, an, a love, it's a love story. It's intrigue. It's murder. It's conspiracy. It's everything you could possibly want in a book. And I read it at the draft level when I was visiting my brother back in um, September 2019. Literally, as he's typing it, I'm reading it and I was transfixed. Since then, obviously being edited, the book has literally just come out. And this is a wonderful book to start off with the new year. Escape from all the problems out there. Dive into a mystery. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Forgot to say he's a humbug. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love all of your books and I do recommend them to a lot of people because it's, um, your stories are always so multidimensional, you know, and you're never a flat story reader. And I don't know where you get it from, but I know you go into your zone and off you go traveling down a different road that is always of intrigue. And you're always able to bring as 
a different look on something, something that we would never look at. And this latest book is certainly one of those. Well, yes, it's a little bit different, I have to say. And um, i just quote you, uh, there was a review that came out just uh, now. Uh, it says, a captivating adventure that could be compared to Ronald Dahl, tale filmed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> There's no pinpointing this in any one particular <laughs> thing. <laughs> so just I mean, when people think they've got it, you take them off somewhere else. It is a little surreal in some cases, but um, actually I was probably, I realized the other night that I was probably channeling Cary Grant. Oh, okay. Think back to the, the sort of movies he used to make. And uh, that's, that, that's what, you know, uh, not the comedies necessarily, but the thrillers, etc. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, yeah, then maybe that's what I've been doing with that unconsciously. Right, right. Well, they were good thrillers because we don't want to know, well, that's the villain. And it's just a question of them catching up to them. You know, we want at the end it to be, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And that's and really what a good about, thriller is about. It's about relationships too. Mm. You know, that's mm. the important thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, just love to have stories where it's about shooting, shoot them up stories, you know. Yeah. I just watched one last night, which was dire. It just literally just people being killed all the time. There was no <laughs> plot whatsoever. Whereas I like to actually concentrate on the characters and uh, what's happening to them. They're in a psychological dimensions. And of course, in all my books, generally, I don't know how it happens, but there's always a kid and a dog. Always. But I don't know always. where they come from. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's in your soul contract. There has to be a kid and a dog in every book. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea where they come from. <laughs> well, for your love of dogs and, you know, the kid inside of you. Uh, but, you know, talking about shooting up, you always have a death in your books, but it's never a frivolous one. It's never kind of killing for the sense of killing or for the thrill of it. It's, it's always to do with the plot and it always has something around it. And whether the person is good or bad, you always have a reaction to it. It's not a dismissal death. Yeah. And uh, the book's actually called We Feel Your Pain. Not I Feel Your Pain. We Feel Your Pain. We Feel Your Pain. And uh, think about as a, an advert, you know. So we often see those sort of things. I mean, in fact, if you go to the the back of a lot of uh, newspapers or magazines and it's filled with pain adverts mm -hmm. aimed at anyone 50 plus with any kind of injury and there's magic cream that will always make it go away take turmeric everything will make it all go away nothing makes it go away <laughs> nothing i tried and i had i've been in pain a long time and as i say at the very end of the book that this is based on my own experience uh and i absolutely suspect i had um prawns in france and the day after it i lost the use of my legs mm. and uh, could not move them at all and then after about a month the pain moved up into my arms shoulders neck to a point of about six months later i couldn't even dress myself and i was trying to go to work and uh, i'd have to get students to take my coat off so I could actually, you know, and I was moving like a robot. I was so stiff and it was horrible. I was in pain the whole time. And it took three years for that pain to go. And I tried everything, every single osteopath and mm. Ted's cream and you name it. I tried it and nothing worked except when I bought this house and I, you know, hadn't any money. So I had to paint all the walls and then the ceilings 
And oddly enough, painting a ceiling worked because you have you've got your neck up and you're moving your arms and uh, there's a lot of pain involved. But I realized after about a month of all of this, that in fact, I was beginning to move more easily. Mm. So there you go. Um, forget the osteopaths and all the rest of it. Paint your ceiling. <laughs> The natural physiotherapy, right? You know, yeah, it's absolutely. I, I wonder what was in those prawns. It can't obviously, if it was food poisoning, it would have affected your stomach. So there must be some sort of poison. Well, if you remember, our mother was allergic to fish. Yes, yes, drastically so. Yes, you know. yes. So, I've um, never been allergic to uh, fish, but shellfish is a different matter. Yes, and and my daughter has that. Too. Uh, right, is she? Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, she can't eat so, shellfish. And it's you know it, when you're in. France and everybody has prawns and uh, yes, probably British prawns knowing Brexit, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, yeah, you know, you, you eat them and you're quite happy at the time, and then wham. Yeah. Bam, yes. And, yes, and and uh, one doesn't know which way your body is going to react. It's like. Um, I, I have fibromyalgia, which I think runs through the family. Mum had it as well. And uh, I moved my furniture into where I'm living in mm. August in the hottest days of the year, like 40 degrees. I'm in, you know, warehouses, taking things out, out in the blazing sun. And I'm lifting, carrying and moving. And, you know, I felt like I got beaten up, but at the end of it felt better for it. So, you know, the moral of the story is get moving, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. That helps your pain. But well, that's uh, not the... Although, uh, actually, in fact, it was, it was last month now when I decided to wallpaper my bedroom, finally. It's the one room I hadn't done. And I moved the bed and then I was doubled up and I had to walk out, I had to crawl out on my knees out of, out of there. I just could not move my back. It just seized up. Because mm. uh, you God, didn't warm up. Again. Anyway, yeah. I yeah, probably didn't do a warm up. Mm. And uh, anyway, so that got very expensive in the end where I had to get people to finish the job for me so very <laughs> sometimes it's worth annoying. it <laughs> however i have to say they did the job a lot better than i would have yes done. yes you know you could be lying in bed and see the wallpaper like this and just annoy the hell out of you and um, uh, i'll just um i'm gonna just read you a little bit from the book if i may just yes please all right so this is um chapter five little ironies she had no idea what time it was or even what day how long she'd been lying there. Stella Palmer tried to move her head to make herself more comfortable. It was hopeless. She was so very cold and so stiff. She'd been almost amused at first. The irony of finding herself in this situation sprawled on the marble floor in her designer kitchen and unable to move was typical. Her phone was up by the counter, of course, well beyond reach. She could hear the phone ringing again. Most likely it was Paolo, the hairdresser, wondering why she hadn't turned up for a four o'clock. Or Dr. Vitch, Puzzled she hadn't appeared for her regular physio, or perhaps it was Edith, annoyed she hadn't come to take her shopping, as she had promised to do. The phone ceased ringing and she was again reminded of her thirst. The steady drip of the kitchen tap did not help any. Stella tried to move again to inch herself towards the chair, but couldn't move. She knew her leg was broken, possibly her hip too. She had slipped on something and fallen hard on the damn marble. Perhaps if she'd been younger, certainly thinner, it might have been possible to get up again but hauling her weight anywhere now with good legs was hard, never mind with a broken one. At least she wasn't in pain. She laughed at the very thought. That was exactly the problem. If only she hadn't heard of those people that we feel your pain. If only she had not sold her mother's empty apartment and had the cash to hand, earning no interest in the bank. 
that was what made the decision to finally deal with her arthritis. You won't feel pain anymore. You'll be able to walk again. Go back on the golf course you love so much. They told her the devil had placed temptation in front of her. She'd seized the chance to be pain free. They hadn't lied. Here she was sprawled on the kitchen floor with a broken leg and couldn't feel a thing. <laughs> and you know, pain is there for a reason. It's to tell us something's wrong. So if you don't feel any pain, you could be walking around with a leg falling off and you don't know. There's a little irony here that you take your pain away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're always telling people work through your pain or if you've got a pain, then it means there's an indication of something wrong. And if you've taken that away altogether, then you don't know or you don't know what damage you're doing to yourself. And, yeah. uh, but it is that it is, you know, the, the ultimate con men, I mean, they are charming or they just have got this Pied Piper and know how to sell. And literally they can sell an Eskimo to an Eskimo, right? Uh, well, I mean, an Eskimo had to had. And I mean, that's, that's why my hero, um, Delaney, is, is got fibromyalgia like you or me. And he's, uh, you know, he's got osteoporosis and he's young. He's only 44. Mm -hmm. And, he's, you know, he, this, for him, it's like he's tried everything already, you know. And so it's so, so tempting. <laughs> so now he's, you know, he's now, of course, incredibly skeptical. Yes. Of anybody who promises anything like this. And so he's exactly the right person to be investigating this. At the same time, he's got a little hope that maybe they, maybe it does work. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. But, he's got to prove it. But, you know, there is right. that hope of light. Yeah. There's yeah. also a stubborn streak in him. You know, the more you fight against it, the more he's going to investigate it uh, and look into it. And uh, but that's what makes him good you know, at, at really unraveling and seeing where the problems that other people are just washing over. They don't see the problem. He does, you know, little antennas go off. He sees something that's wrong. Um, and of course you, you give him a love interest in there, which is really, really nice. Um, but I, I, I can see so many similarities again to you, <laughs> the awkwardness of the love interest. Um, when you do write, there is a lot of you in there, isn't there? Well, there's a lot of all the places, um, wherever I wrote this, uh, which I wrote in a number of places, uh, in Cape Town, in Neisner, in Miami, in New York, all these different places where I was and I was writing it. Uh, in the days when we were allowed into cafes and can actually sit and <laughs> yeah, Travel? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. And, um, and so all of that, uh, and uh, without wanting to seem pretentious, uh, when I was on the Queen Mary going over from England, uh, I got to talk to a lot of old, there's a lot of old people on right. the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. uh, they're probably all dead now, but anyway. And, um, <laughs> uh, but it was interesting talking to them about their pain and how much they had spent mm. on trying to get rid of it. And mm -hmm. it was just like a perfect research vessel yes. to be on. Yes, and I remember you didn't want to go on that um, <laughs> because our then. sister had gone on and said you have to do it. But it's kind of quite useful for that. Yeah. But also the young people who have pain. And so they would, you know, see me writing and then they say, are you guys writing about pain? <laughs> and they would come and sit off me and tell me their life story about all the pain they've had. So it was quite useful. In that it was story. definitely a painful <laughs> book to write. <laughs> We don't realize how many people are in pain. I mean, we do look at it as, as kind of people who have had, you know, particular injuries or people that are older that are in pain. But 
um, you know, having done all of these shows for so many years now, I, I, there's a lot of dis-ease, you know, in the psyche and, and in, the, in the mind of people which bring on disease, which is then very painful. So there's a lot that we bring on to our body. And very often when we feel pain in our body, it is because we feel so completely disconnected to the world. And we're seeing that so much more now in younger people. Well, uh, if you think about it, that we are the accumulation of all the things that we do to ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think of all the ladders have fallen off. Think of the windscreen I went through on my car. And the trees uh, that you fell down and from trees. and the rooftop. Yes. Yeah, all of those things. And they you all are not Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> they all build up. Right? Yes. Uh, even when we were, we were children and I tried to just. Uh, to surprise you when you went by in a window and I stood up sharply and the window embedded in my head. Yes, got, you cut it right this, open. All we the blood were... streaming down my face. Yes, but... freak the hell out of me. <laughs> you go running back up into the hotel, you know, like screaming. And I'm screaming after you. And it's, it's like a horror movie, like Kerry, blood for <laughs> all of you. It was a horror movie. I still remember having the stitches. Yes, yes. And, uh, and then opening it all up again when I went through the windscreen on my yes. car. And then being in a coma and nobody knowing if you're going to come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I have done my research. <laughs> a little bit too diligently, Sam. A little bit too diligently. But, you know, I have to say I'm right behind you. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, uh, you know, about where pain came from. And, and she had polio when she was young, when she was six. Oh, yeah, horrible, and yeah. so she's had a number of operations on her spine and leg. And the, but today at 87, she's a sprinter. She has been a skier, a skater, um, um, judged tennis, everything. I mean, she's stronger than I am tougher than I am physically and uh, she had it all when she was young and I think the older you are when things happen the harder it is to recover from oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah but um it was it was interesting as a you know writing this and and I suppose in a way the guru who's it forms the backbone backbone of the whole story in many respects who can cure pain uh, for a price and uh, he's um, he's our wishful thinking. He's the person you know we would love actually existed. But what I wanted to also draw to attention is about the pain that it is brought to him in many respects. Yes. Dealing with all of that. Yes. You know? And um, yeah, we talk about that uh, with a lot of because they interview a lot of healers, and it's like um, it, one has to be careful that you don't take other people's pain on. There you yeah, have your own absolutely. method of releasing that pain yourself. And, you know, as a spiritual counselor for so many years, I used to take on the emotional pain of people and I didn't have the technique to get rid of it. And so it started crippling me. So, you know, energy is energy and it's, it's found in everything. And, you know, again, with so many of your other books where you really do go into other dimensions and you talk about that energy and, yeah, uh, just some incredible things. Please, folks, uh, we've got a list of them right here on Self-Discovery Media. You've just got to go and look at all of his books. Every single one of them will take you on an intriguing journey. But that energy dimensional thing that we have there is um, we have to always keep our energy in flow. It always has to be on the move. And if it isn't, that's what causes the pain because it means it's stagnant. And so, yeah. you know, when somebody's like this guru, which he's bonafide, you know, he's a kind of an energy healer. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but the trouble is, somebody has to pay the price for it. Yeah. Well, as I say, he's been corrupted 
mm. by the femme fatale that is in the story. You're right. And, you know, the, the ultimate con woman, you know, there's... Well, you know, a very beautiful con woman who's can wrap people around their fingers, etc. I mean, I, I, I made a conscious decision to keep her in the back of the story rather than making her a focal point because you can only really have your detective and the his assistant and the dog, of course, and then Maria the girl. As, the, uh, <laughs> as the the main character. Because if you have too many main characters, you lose yeah. control yes. of the story, you know. Um, she reminds me from when I read your draft a little bit like Lyra's mum in Dark Materials. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all uh, in, but every single person that we write about are all based on people we know. Yes. Consciously or consciously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we uh, we write what we know or we speak what we know. You know, it's. Uh, but at the same time, you're also on your own adventure. I know that when you're doing a story, you have a story in your head. It comes to you. And then you're um, obviously, you know, as a professor, you have a process that you go through that you teach your students to go through. But it's still very much letting the fingers unravel the mystery that's in your head, isn't it? Yeah. I'll give you another example of story about how, how things develop. So this is um, Asher, his assistant, talking in the office to him. And he's just the kids come back into his life, whether he likes it or not. And um, so he's just walking in and he says, how's the brat? I can't believe you let her back in. Delaney shrugged. She's in a lot of pain and angry. She's been pretty much discarded by her mother. Maria's almost too tough for her own good. Asha sipped on her coffee. But you're the sucker who cares for her. She'll get all comfortable with you and spit in your face again. You're too hard on her. She's scared she won't get better. You're too soft. Rufus knew a good sucker when he saw one. You have it wrong, Ash. Delaney returned to his desk, booting up his computer. Rufus rescued me, that's the dog. You have no idea what black hole I was in after my wife died. Couldn't find my way forward at all. I was lucky Rufus was there, needed my help. He glanced over at her. You might think you don't need anyone. I was like that once. I'm pretty sure I was an arrogant bastard too. But I was the skipper and took responsibility way too seriously. I can't even remember that person now. Asha shrugged, turning back to a screen. And um, <clears throat> it's about development of people. We're all different people at different stages in our lives. Thank God. Yes, I mean, God. I wouldn't want to be stuck where I used to be. You know? Yeah. We have and different uh, chapters in our books, don't we? Yes, we we are literally like that, aren't we? Or we, we develop, hopefully we develop. And well, hopefully, some do. There is obviously evidence of some people that don't, yeah. which fortunately on the way out. And, <laughs> and everybody has an element of history mm -hmm. and that your life is about lessons. So um, I say right at the beginning of the book about a quote from the guru, which I will quickly find for you and if I can. And, and that is this, all pain teaches us something. It is for you to understand what that lesson might be. Right, exactly. Without it, you know, it's, we're always asking people to go in. Life isn't an exterior experience. Mm. It is the interior experience that brings about the exterior. So if you're living mm. in conflict and painful life, that means that pain is within you. Go in within you to calm it down, to face it, to go through the process of healing it. And you'll create your calming waters on the outside. But we have to be willing 
to face that that pain and that conflict that lies within us and getting back to rufus the dog i mean we've both had border collies um that just touched our hearts and souls that were completely our saviors most certainly and I do agree that, you know, the dogs come into our life. We think we're saving them, but they most certainly do save us because they only speak from the inside, don't they? There is no exterior gender with them other than walkies and yes. uh, belly rubs. But I, they're all from well, an interior place. <laughs> oddly enough, uh, today on my walk, uh, there's a little field where they're unfortunately going to build about 14 houses. And there's a little fox that lives there. Beautiful, beautiful little fox. And I, every time I look, and is he there? Is he there? Today he was standing in a sunbeam, you know, it was lovely. Uh, anyway, just as I was having my supper this evening, uh, there was a big fox in my garden. And, um, and I think, how the hell? Like, you know, I've got six foot walls around. So, you know, it has to leap quite yes. heavily to get yes. up there. There was nothing in for him to eat. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so, just uh, talking on the fo fox, uh, go back in the family, our mother has been feeding foxes before she passed you know for a long time yeah. they knew they got the message you know like our cousin Susie with cats you know they'll yeah. knock at the door I hear you're taking us in you know and I think that certain animals are drawn to certain people because the tom-tom goes out you know? oh, and, that too, and they feel safe you know yeah in that they're not going to get problems right and there are some people who are afraid of the wild you know yes foxes, you know yeah but um, yes, and I was uh, in my walk today. I was watching a woman. There was her, her border collie was barking at her as she was walking, and she was ignoring him. And I, and I know exactly that bark. It says, "Throw me the stick. Throw a ball. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you throwing it at me? Woof, woof, woof." And she wouldn't. She wouldn't. And a poor thing, you know. You should have translated <laughs> for the dog. <laughs> if you remember Kokomo, our border collie, um, which a photograph I have over here somewhere, um, she used to be very, very proud picking up branches, huge yeah, yeah, branches, huge. walking or taking people's <laughs> legs out as she goes, <laughs> tail wagging like crazy that she was so proud of yeah. herself. <laughs> and it's but, rather like children. You cannot help but smile. They just bring such joy to you in such yeah. trust well that's why i you know if you read a, a say a raymond chandler novel who i have a great respect for as a, as a writer i love his, the old stuff the philip marlowe stories etc mm -hmm. what i do is to take that aspect of you know the lone investigator but no one really is that lone person we all have personal lives including mm. hopefully some detectives etc and that is why i give them a dog and throw them a child that they don't really want there it's inconvenient and the more inconvenience that you can throw at a character more is revealed of that character right and, yes. and yeah. uh, so you know it also I'm, humanizes them because very often we look at this you know detective or whether it's private or whether it's it's other and they have no relationships and they're kind of cold and they're driven and it softens them up and it gives them some humanity because i remember in one of the books that you wrote, um, The Hunting, or could have been The Repossessions, um, I can't remember which, because you did a trilogy there, so I can't remember which yeah. one it is in, but you had one hell of a time trying to save the dog. Oh, from, God, yeah. From the rapid waters. And it was like, yeah. you know, no, you have to save the dog. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you do. Think about when you're writing and writing about kids and animals, no matter whatever's happening to your main character, 
you have to remember to feed the dog. <laughs> Never mind, feed the child, right? You know, it's a very important. Uh, there's a great Clint Eastwood movie, jo the outlaw Josie Wales. Yes. Yeah, yes. There he is, an outlaw, but he's sort of like, attract all these people are attracted to him because they feel safe with him. So he's like got an entourage around him that he has to now protect. And the last thing he wants, you know, so uh, the writer of that understood that principle very well. It's, uh, it humanizes whoever your main protagonist is. Yes, because otherwise, the, you know, the, I mean, we're even seeing that in the superheroes, they may not have a pet, but, we, you know, we're seeing them kind of be touched by things or be responsible, you know, be accountable. And uh, even though the superheroes are maybe, you know, come from a different planet or whatever the case is, there is that touch of humanity in them, of caring. Yeah. We want to know, however tough and clever they are, that they actually do have a caringness inside of them. The, uh, uh, a bit about the relationship with the guy and Maria, who's the girl who's living with him. So uh, Maria ate some onions and regarded them carefully. Why are you being nice? Aren't I always nice to you? Reluctantly, she nodded. But why? I don't deserve it. Delaney didn't think you had to explain this kind of thing, but clearly she was in the mood for talking. My dad never spoke to me after I took up sailing and I told him I wasn't going to work in his factory. What? Never. Not a word. Didn't see me win any championships, didn't come to my graduation. Refused to come to my wedding and wouldn't let my mother come in either. He died just after that. I nearly didn't go to his funeral, but I guess I had to. He was an asshole. Yep. So now you're nice to me because your father was mean to you. Delaney took a slug at his cider. I'm nice to you because your mother is an asshole and you've got no one else except Rufus. It all comes down to Rufy. If he says you're okay, you're okay. <laughs> I'm nice to you despite your language. And my shitty attitude, that too. Maria grinned and drank some cider, making a face. There you go. <laughs> See, Rufus saves the day again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the glue that holds everyone together there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unlike in his dark materials, the dog doesn't talk. A dog right. doesn't need to. You have to understand their eyebrows. Oh, gosh. The yes, eyebrows. and the tilt the of the head. Language, yes. Everything, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but, uh, talking about the dark materials and Philip Pullman book, you know, for, when I read that, it was a revelation for me, and it actually became a little bit of an envy, because it was like the soul is a talking being next to you that can yes, talk that. We don't have to go yeah. in, we need to listen to it. And it was like, oh, how I wish, how I wish. And I, I think the, the new Dark Materials uh, series is absolutely wonderful. I'm loving it. And I just loved his books. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it finishes tomorrow. Um, yeah. Yes. You've probably got a couple of weeks to go, I should think. Yes, yeah. I am a little bit behind you here in Canada. But yes, it's I can't get enough of it. And I just want you know the next book to be revealed. I think, uh, God, they're going to they're gonna have so much trouble to do the third one. Yes, yes. First of all, they haven't been able to film. Right. Uh, secondly, you've got characters who are who have wheels instead of legs. <laughs> and they're aging beyond yeah. the time written. And you know, where got, they're at. Hades to hell. Right. That disturbed me so her. much. That's the thing about books. You know, I can read books. Yes, it was all very pleasant. Put it down. Forget about it. I want to be moved. I want to be afraid. I want to, I want to have it sit with me afterwards. 
I want to be able to reflect back on it or be brought up in a conversation. That's when a book I know really has had an impact on me. When yeah. I can, you know, look back at it, when I can look at it, you know, I, I'm constantly referring to your Thomas D book. Um, yeah. You know, because yeah, it yeah. just the whole concept of that story of how it could have changed history, you know, yeah. from, and uh, a little thing. Tiny little thing, boom, like that, innocent, and how it had such a huge, bigger impact. And you know, way back when in the seven, in the eighties, when you wrote um, the Curse of the Nibelung, that the war yeah. was all about chocolate, and chocolate <laughs> comes in Watson's last case. But you also wrote a book, Tinker, uh, which was the parody of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes, and of course, uh, he just died this week. Oh, did he? Oh, my. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I hadn't seen that. He actually was a patron for my course in Falmouth. Oh, wonderful, a, wonderful. A scholarship um, for one student every year, yeah. Fabulous. Well, I know when I put down that book, and I know that it was meant to be a parody because I'd seen the Tinker Taylor Soldier Vibe series, I, 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 I put it down and go, but no, this is too real. This is, mm. that's, the, that's the art that you have, is that no matter whether you're taking people into totally different dimensional worlds, which you do beautifully, you make people want to go and live in that world, because it always seems to be better. Um, but you also always give such intrigue to it. But it's always the what if, you know, what if we had just taken that direction or taken this direction, how things could change. But it's yeah. always at the end of it, too is that whatever you think it's about, it isn't. Mm, maybe. I don't know if a, a writer's necessarily conscious of that when you're writing it, oddly Right. And, yeah. um, but yes, I never told um, John le Carre when he would come to see the students that I wrote Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mole. It was probably a bit mean to have him there paying all that money for a student. Oh, and... I wonder if he actually ever did read it and, and yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. But there was another book that you wrote. Um, oh gosh, this is going back into the seventies. Uh, it, it's it's the one where the author writes for other people. God, what was that name? Oh yeah, Through a Ninth Row Road. Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was staying with you at a time, and you had got the um, the the main character stuck in a pit trying to get out of it. Yes. And it took you a week to write him out of it. Yeah, so, it was quite difficult. Know, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, we don't realize that the writer has a problem sometimes in getting their characters out of situations that they put themselves into. I had to, I had to find a rover to get in the back seat and figure out how, if you were tied up, uh, how you would get out of a locked car. And uh, so, yes, I had to actually experience all of that. It was really quite difficult. And, um, so it's easy to write somebody into a situation, but it's not also easy to write them out of it, is it? Particularly when you were being buried alive at the time, I think. Right. Recall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of a time constraint. <laughs> yes, there was a little bit. So remember, a ticking clock. It's always yeah, you were in quite a mood that week trying to work it out <laughs> how to get him out of that because you truly do become immersed. In in yeah. in your writing, which is um, and all of these all of these have stayed with me. And um, you wrote Ramapo, um, yeah. which well, that was know, a long time ago. But that was the, a long, yeah. the recent one, the girl with cat blue. Yes, I uh, loved that. Which, I uh, hope there's a I sequel mean, to that. Well, there isn't a sequel, but I've spent uh, a lot of part of this year, well, about, about five months of this year, writing um, not the screen, but TV series of it. So there's yeah, uh, it is. Eight, there is a visual. Eight hour long episodes. That's yes. a lot of work. A lot of work. 
worked with a girl from uh, Euros uh, Euroscript here. And uh, it's always good to have to work with someone who, you know, can make the objections or make alterations and changes and suggestions to help. However painful uh, they may be. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's more about, it's never usually about the dialogue or anything. It's simply about, she's looking, she's a film director. So she looks at it from the, the cost. Right, exactly, exactly. So, for instance, the, the script I've just written, um, uh, she made me redo it and take virtually all the people out of it because she said in kind of COVID rules, <laughs> people cannot afford people. Right. Anymore, yes. And separating everybody, etc. And so, and I, to be honest, I'm not terribly happy. In, and I made the decision next year, I'm going to write it as a book. Then I can put all those people back. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it, it loses it loses the dynamic of the humor, the certain elements of the story. It's not terribly it realistic. I mean, we can't write for COVID, you know, unless you're writing a COVID-based story. Um, and COVID affects people. So if you don't have people in it, then what's the point? So Yeah. And whereas in this book, I'm assuming it's about a year after everyone's had the vaccine. Right. After but there are still people wearing masks and there's still people concerned about things right well you wrote another book um, another place to die which you wrote yeah. based in vancouver canada you yeah. burnt down commercial drive if anybody knows where commercial drive is but you wrote that book when the sars came out and i know yes. at the beginning of every chapter you put down an actual fact on sars and yes. then you take it and of course um far more that deadly than, true you know yeah, everybody it, has to wear masks and yes yeah but if that was a little bit more contagious that if you got to it that was at sure death um yeah, that, it was lethal a lethal virus a lethal yeah. one and and people literally having to close the door on their children otherwise everybody would have been dead and, and it was a lot more ruthless um, well it was also based more on spanish flu which killed 50 million people worldwide right Right. So that's where I was going from that. Whereas this has been relatively benign in the sense that it's targeted a certain section of the population, our uh, COVID. Uh, although who's to say it wouldn't mute, mutate? Which it has, but, a lot more younger people. Yeah, but actually, oddly enough, this mutation at the moment is less lethal, but easier to spread. And that's right. how a, a virus, it, viruses are sort of a, a semi-intelligence, if you like. Yeah. And what they love to do is spread. That's what they love to do. Yes. Right. And uh, so they look for the easy way to do it. So if they mutate to make it easier to spread, it's doing its job well. Yes. And nobody can keep up with that. Right. Nobody yeah. can, even these vaccines that are going out right now. No, they'll be fine against it. They will work. Um, but it's if people will take them, as they're saying, 70% of populations need to take them in order for it to turn the tide yes, completely. I think that will happen here at the moment. Only 360,000 people have taken the virus, but that's because we don't have Right. Uh, we're having a problem getting it right now. It's been promised yeah. to us, but we're, it's all going into the States. And, uh, so. and of course, they're only really doing people over 80 here. Yes, I saw the woman turning 91 or something, the first person. Yeah. Um, having inoculation and the trick, the trick about this whole virus thing is, of course, is getting everyone back for the second dose. Yes, and that's the tricky part, making sure everybody comes back. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I and uh, of course, the new ones that are coming up because there's a lot of people with reactions to this one, and they're actually saying if that if you well, that have... many, and they only have a day 
her day's reaction. Well, that's to. yeah, but they are saying with people that are either pregnant or people that have a, um, a particular immune syndrome or use EpiPens, not yeah. to take this particular one. That there may be other no, ones that wait. might be better for them. So wait. I'm hoping. Well, I hope to get the AstraZeneca one when it comes on. Right. I don't know about that one. I know there's the Madeira one, and there's something else out there, and we're probably going to get that one. But it's. You know, it's it's amazing when you look at it because there is a world pandemic. Look how fast we've had the vaccines, which normally can take years to develop. Um, and, you know, when you put the money and you put the effort behind it and everybody's working on things together. And in a, in a way, that's how your books are, is that when you have people coming together, even if they disagree or they may look at things from a different point of view, at some point you always have your people come together, you know, facing the one agenda. Uh, the one issue and work on it together and that's how they resolve it and that seems to be a common theme in your books yeah the uh, with this particular one I had a slightly different uh, a problem about where to set it I didn't want to set it in a specific place mm. although in my head I am stealing bits from different countries or whatever I was writing it so you've got a bit of Cape Town there a bit of Miami in there you know it's um it's, uh, you know, it's, I called it Berg City because I didn't want it to be about identified. Yeah. Place. But actually, that proved to be much harder. Normally, when I write a place, yes. write a book, I set it exactly, you know, where the, uh, in another place to die at the end time chronicles one. Um, I remember having to pace out between uh, how long that street would be, particularly with the rat scene and then that mm, particular one mm. and the rest of it. But, uh, um, this uh, and I don't think I'll do that again. I don't think uh, my next book I would set in a in a place that isn't real. I prefer it to be real. Right, right. And it's much harder doing uh, setting it in, a, in an anonymous city, as it were. Well, the thing is about that when it comes to script, when it comes to putting it somewhere, you can have a fictional city, and you know it transfers yes. into TV or movie very well. Yeah. And sometimes it's even easier if it's not a particular country, a particular city, um, because that can, you know, can do that. But I can imagine when you haven't got the reference, does you, because I know that you really do research your books. You know, you go and travel to the places, um, uh, the Diamonds one. Yeah. Uh, you so went they're... to research that. And of course, you've written many here in South Africa, in, in Canada. Um, and done a lot of research here. Um, you know, the, 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 ha the haunting and the repercussions were initially set here. The other book that I absolutely love, um, which I'm drawing a blank on now, uh, the one with the feet, the boy. The feet? Yes, the feet washing up on the water. On the oh, right. Yes, that was, uh, surely that was uh, the repossession, was it? Or no, 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 that was a different one. It's about the psychic boy. Oh, yeah, our mother. Mean Tide. Mean Tide, which That's originally you bought, uh, wrote on Jericho Beach in Vancouver. Right. Yes, it was originally and called Jericho Boy, and then I relocated it to England. Right. And they made it in a specific place in Greenwich before it got gentrified, which is now all skyscrapers. Right. Uh, yes. But then it was all scrapyards, and mm. there was much more, much more Dickensian, which I liked. Yes, yes, yes. That's very, very common in your books. But the interesting thing about that is that you know, the, it's about a psychic boy goes to live with his grandma who is psychic. Um, but the interesting thing about that is that he, he discovers a boot with a foot in it. And yes. the interesting thing that happened shortly after you wrote that book is that on the shores 
of, of BCH. Yeah, the, yeah, they were feet. And, and the weird thing is they were all either the right or the left foot. It wasn't the two feet yeah. of people. And it's like, where did these come from? <laughs> it's yeah. like, and that's, obviously people got either thrown overboard and chopped yeah. up by the propellers or yes, whatever. Yes, yes. And it was quite a mystery there. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing. They say art imitates life. You know, but, but it's, you know it seems to me life imitates from. art sometimes. <laughs> but that comes from when I was at school, I was at Naval College. I did, do you ever come to my ship? Mm -hmm. I think too young, I can't yeah, remember. No, I did. I do remember coming to visit. And uh, I was, and we would have normal school hours, but normal Navy hours. And so we'd be up at 4 a.m. And, you know, if you were on the watch. So this particular morning, I was on the watch and I would have to go take the motorboat over to the shore because you're actually on the river and collect early morning staff arriving. No, collecting the milk that All was right. being deposited at the end of the thing. And when I got there, I thought that's odd. A pig had washed up on the high tide and uh, onto the, the dead pig. But it wasn't a dead pig. And I just thought they'd cut the paws and things off. And actually, it was a human. Oh, wow. Decapitated and whatever. So that was my first experience of someone had been murdered and chopped up and left in the river. Uh, the murder writer right was born. <laughs> <for> the milk. <laughs> According to the cops, that was my very first experience of something like that. Yeah. So these things do happen. They do. That's the thing. They do happen. I mean, you see. And on my very first day at that school. Now, you imagine your father taking me to the school. Uh, we go on board and there was a thwack a boy who'd been bullied forced to climb the rigging falls to his death right in front of us and my father still leaves me there <laughs> for three years yeah dad was <laughs> it was the way he was brought up as well right you know like I, I always say I would not have left my kids. No, no, I wonder about that. You know, um, our mother once said to me, "You raise your children the way you would like to have been raised." Because we were all yeah. sent to boarding school very early. Uh, I went later because of my asthma, but you guys were like six when you went. I went just yeah, before yeah. my ninth, and uh, that's just the way it was done back in those days. And our parents weren't given kind of love and attention or you know empathy or anything like. So it's not something they could pass on. They loved us, but they were still following. The tradition. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think out of sight, that's it, gone, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, kids should be seen and not heard, and mm. they could be seen on a photograph. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, it, so, all of these things form why one becomes an artist or writer or yes. whatever, or a psychopath or yes. whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Harry Potter, I mean, I remember first seeing Harry Potter and, and looking at the school and thinking, I wish my boarding school had been like that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the food. Actually, yeah. we had great food. We had Elsie Tanner and Mrs. Hawkins. No, really. And Elsie Tanner was skinny, Mrs. Hawkins was round, and we actually had great food. I do remember that. Um, I remember our chefs went on strike once. And so uh, you, you, and you, are you're cooking breakfast, you're cooking lunch and whatever. So I was on breakfast duty and I think, you try cooking eggs and bacon for 300 people and you're very <laughs> <laughs> It's not something you come across in any instructions. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, it, it kind of brings us to, to, to what's happening today with uh, all of a sudden our essential workers being the heroes, you know. Yeah. And so it's, you only appreciate what other people do when you have to go and do it yourself. 
and uh, or, or, or you rely on those people for your for your survival and i think it's a good perspective every now and again to have but it everything that happens in you i mean you've always had a love of words which you get from our mother you know she loved words as well she was an actress she loved reading constant reading and so you were crossword puzzling and you know reading no i've never done a crossword in my life oh not so it was just reading it was the that you, I, because I know you were very young when you started reading oh yes uh, i can still remember the uh i can still remember being three and realizing i could read uh the name of our house mm -hmm. uh, which was landike right yes i remember and that from that moment on i could read and i was three right yes you had and a lot of words i was very lucky and um so, you know, I don't know why I didn't develop, become brighter, really, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in your book, Sam. <laughs> it's like uh, the piano. I mean, you, you used to go into people's houses and start playing their piano. <laughs> no, I don't play that anymore now. You need Just... a piano. That's what you need in your front room no, to get a no, piano. No. You need music. Oh, God. Anyway, so, um, so this is uh, the book, all right? We feel your pain. Hopefully you can see that. Yes. All right. Okay. And so we feel your pain so you don't have to. And uh, a company, just think about that, just, um, we're all suckers for somebody else to deal with our problem and pay money to make it go away. And sometimes we it's have to fix it ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Um, everybody would love to have somebody else take their pain away from them i mean you know how yeah. many people really i mean you look at chemo and you look at many other things the pain that people are in and it's um you know we we would put an animal down if they're in that kind of pain but you know letting a person go is meant to be criminal but we'd rather see them in pain and so i think pain is something you know death is is something people can quote live with you know because yeah. it gets rid of the pain but if you're having to live with pain day in and day out you know it's learning to manage it it's learning to to give into it and sometimes you know it's it dictates you and sometimes you can manage it um but it is something that if we had a magic wand or a magic pill or a magic anything else we would love to get rid of it because but again the pain is always there for a reason and it's our reluctance to kind of look at it or deal with yeah. it that puts us into trouble and how yeah. many pied pipers I, I had a wonderful woman uh, was with us for four years five years i think um wise health and she used to call herself the snake oil woman because back in the 60s when she was talking about alternative medicine they used to yeah. call her the snake oil woman and yeah, yeah. uh you know we did have people way back you know and still have people selling you concoctions that are going to do this and do that for you and in our need we'll buy it right yeah sadly we do uh well which is why we the drug company the pharmaceutical companies make drugs that don't work yes so you'll keep coming back right <laughs> yeah they're not looking to cure you they're looking to keep you as a long-term customer hence the whole of the oxycontin stuff it's yes. all about dependency yes Crazy. and the amount of deaths that we have had here in bc yeah. is it's unbelievable crazy. this year to the ox and i've done the people who make that stuff the produce why aren't they in jail exactly 
millions in fines, but they should be in jail. No, exactly. They're criminal. I mean, you, you would arrest people for heroin and cocaine and things like this. Why not the Oxycontin? In fact, actually, they just yeah. had a huge drug bust, actually, on that um, here locally. Um, uh, I've, I've interviewed a few people that became addicted to it, and they were ordinary civilians that had an operation where the pain was so bad they got on the Oxycontin and they were told to stay on it by their doctors to manage the pain and then ended up one of them ended up with a gun under his pillow you know becoming an outright criminal you know another one just doing whatever he could to get it and it's uh, you know became a slave to it so you know people think it's only drug addicts or criminals that get caught up in this and it is not the case at all which is why uh, i'm always shocked uh, when, when this first started, you know, my doctor just offered me all these painkillers. And I said, no, that's not what I want. I want a cure. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want a pain killer, you know, kill the pain. That's the difference. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I hope to, you know, walk, diet. That's why I'm vegan. Yes. So the idea is that you control things by not putting poison in your body. Exactly. And a great deal of it is mindset heart set you know yeah. attitude towards life you know what you feed and what you you know what you water will grow so if you don't want to be living in the misery choose not to choose to feed something else and it may not yeah. take the pain all away altogether but it will certainly lessen the pain yeah. the moral of the story with the whole book is that it doesn't matter what you pay or who you pay you're still going to have to face your own pain yeah if you like but uh, and also it's, hopefully I've set it up and I want if you know if people like this book enough maybe uh, Delaney and Asher can do another who knows well you have set it up well that that this you know that you've developed their relationship their characters uh, and it's the four of them the dog the kid and them uh, you've set it up in such a way that it's very very easy for them to take on another unusual case because yeah. You know, what has come out of this is, the, is their realization is that they don't belong where they are, mm. that they have a better aptitude and ability to go and see things and do things about it over in that area. And I think that's, uh, you've set it up very, very well for another book, for another adventure. So especially something that's bizarre. Yes. I didn't set out to do something bizarre, though. <laughs> it just happens that way. Yeah, yeah so you, you always bring out something bizarre. But it, <laughs> but at the same time, though, this is the thing is that you have a knack when you write that one puts it down and that was really great and you have food for thought and you go, but who says it's not real? You mm. take us into other worlds. And this, this book, it, not so much, um, it's kind of more humanoid, but in, in other books, you've taken us into other dimensions. I mean, the, the hunting and the whole trilogy of that, you wrote for youth, and it's about youth, but anybody adult reading it, you, you, you see something about yourself in there, most certainly. But it's the way, I love the way you leave thoughts in our head of us viewing life differently because yeah, of I what mean, you've written. about Genie uh, in, in the, the third one, The Heaviness, which is still available, um, which is about um, if you have teleportation and anyone has watched Star Trek Discovery or whatever, you'll, exactly. you'll, you'll all know exactly. about that. But every time you move, you'll become a different person. So the thing is, who owns your DNA? Mm. So that's what that's about. Yes. You know? And what... I'm always looking at these type of issues, you know, that we're, we're so casual about in science fiction. I want to worry about the 
who invented that and how, who owns it and who's making money out of it. Right. And, and way back when, I don't know which era, I remember you talk, writing a book on faxing armies. Well, yes, <laughs> that developed into repossession and that became... Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, obviously, I mean, this is when you look at a movie. I always used to look at a movie and look at the fashion, the hairstyle and the fashion. I could tell you what area it is. Now yeah, all we have to do is look at the computer and the phone. Absolutely. <laughs> we know. Um, and that, the other thing, too, is that you need to keep as much technology out of your stories. Yes. Because it, it does date it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, and that's the hard thing. And that's the same way with COVID. I wanted to keep covid in the background is something that has happened mm. not something that is because uh, uh, that's absolute dilemma for so many writers now what do we do about covid knowing that it should be transitory yes so if you think about this now people are thinking about well, once we hold the vaccine it's going to be like the roaring 20s again everybody will go slightly crazy dance crazes and mm. they'll go mad uh, and whatever um but I don't know. It, so much change has happened in this last year, including exactly what we're doing now—a Zoom call. Yes, exactly. Uh, and the but will people go back to offices? Will people fly as much? Everyone thinks, oh, everyone will fly again. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, I had somebody on last week, um, or back in December, who. Um, who is a, a Mackie, so in other words, she, she goes into kind of multi-dimensions and gets uh, information of what's needed for each year. And every year she writes out the codes, the yeah. codes are the, the codes that are being laid out for us for that year. And she's saying that we have another four years of transition. 2021 is still going to be a rocky year. No one year like 2020, but still going to be a rocky year. You know, more financially, it'll be a big well. Bag. You know, by the second half of the year, the vaccine and thing would have taken place. We're going to start seeing yeah. the diminishing of COVID, but now we're going to go into the economic situation, which is going to take another few years. There is no going back to normal. It's going to create a different norm, and uh, uh, a more conscious one, where people are actually going to be more integrative to what's around them instead of you know chasing something away from them so i think it's going to be extremely interesting where we're going it's also an incredible opportunity to steer the ship and so anybody who's writing about something right now there's a hell of a lot of control that you can have in painting a future we would love to see uh, and having it kind of be that blueprint for people that just need to have something together so not a doomsday we've had the doomsday we don't want that anymore we want something that that shows us that with these actions we can change something even if it's well, difficult what, rocky. Uh, delaney's telling maria in the story you know what's my future she's asking what's my future well the future is going to be like wiping people's asses because you know ai is going to take all the jobs so you know you have to think about something that the ai can't do <laughs> Wiping people's asses, burying bodies, whatever, you know. So she's not too keen on this. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, but this is, everything happens in, in, um, in life. Everything happens for a reason. And everything happens at a particular time because it's that invitation for us to look at something differently, do something different. We have an opportunity right now with a blank canvas in front of us to paint it the way we want it. And when we read something, you know, like this book, you know, yes, it's a thriller. Yes, it's a love story. Yes, it's, it's you know, about conspiracy and intrigue and, and corruption. 
it's got everything in it but when you put it down and you digest it you go how much of this relates actually to my life and you realize there's a lot more a lot more when you when you look at the parallels um that's relatable you know yeah great thriller wonderful book but how much stays with you and you realize that's actually going on that's actually going on well, yeah. what are we going to do about it? Because the reason it's going on is because everybody's going la, 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 you know, close eyes, close ears. I don't want to know. But if we all know, then we hold people accountable and then they can't do it. Yeah, but enough about Donald Trump. <laughs> it, one of the beauties at the present moment since Biden has got in and, and is as uh, uh, Rachel Meadows and uh, Colbert were talking about the other day, is how they're looking forward to the next four years of vanilla political talk. How boring it's going to be. It may not be, though. It, uh, I can see a rearguard action. We're going to see some, some uh, because, the, you know, the, it's come to the surface. It's not just going to go away because he's gone away. And it's no. going to have to be addressed. But as far as intelligence and common sense of people, in position you know that is going to be a relief um but they know it's not like he's in power and everything goes back to harley do no it's it's already revealed and now what do you do with what you see in front of you it's now uh, it'll be four years of undoing all the damage yeah and boy does he have some work cut out for him <laughs> yes uh, Trump, right this day is passing laws to drill in all of the protected uh, yeah. parks etc it's just disgusting yeah but you know it's they're not going to happen immediately and of course it'll have to be all you know i think i could see the first hundred days biden just literally going through cancel 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. if he can yeah yes um but, but yeah anyway. it's, well, it's interesting because it certainly brings about you know we, we've been shaken up this year we've been woken up this year we've been asked to stand up and change it up uh, going into 21, we can't get into any false illusion that, oh, oh now we're in 2021, there's a vaccine and now we can forget everything. Um, it's this, That's it's the worry, the, though, isn't it? That people yeah. think, oh, it's, Yeah, you know, where's common sense? If people don't take it, then, you know, there's yes. Yeah, and we're still going to be back to square one again. And, it's, and you know, somebody pointed out to me the other day when, when uh, seatbelts came in, they were put there for your safety, right? They were put there so you don't go through the windshield. Um, Although was, actually I did go through a windshield, but that's because I was hit sideways. Right. Yeah. So um, seatbelt or not. I mean, if you remember when I had, when I ripped mother's car off, had I been wearing a seatbelt, I would have had my head sliced in half by the sunroof. So, you know, oh, yeah. it's, you know, the different situations, but there was a, there was a pushback against them. Right. And, you know, now it's become commonplace. So the whole mask thing, I've still got people that are highly intelligent telling me it's a 5G thing. Oh, you know, oh, you know government conspiracy, and I keep pointing out, well, if the government is telling you to wear a mask where they've got you, a big brother, a camera on you everywhere, and they can't see who you are, do you really think they want you to wear a mask? This is a safety measure, and it's, I hope that somewhere along the line, common sense prevail. I don't think any writer could have written 2020 the way it happened, because nobody would have believed it. I tried with another place to die, anti chronicles. But yes, no but no, but you still were far too intelligent and common sense and rational about it. There was nothing rational about 2020. No, <laughs> it was a very not. irrational year. Yeah. Um, hysteria. 
total hysteria and whirlwind and everybody's exhausted by it and you know when a, a thriller you know writes a story we want the peaks we want the excitement we want to be on the edge of our seat but we want to be able to <sighs> exhale and you know this we don't feel in the last 20 20 or four years that we've had any exhale and i think this no. is what we're all eager for right now so when somebody is writing they've got to have those breathable moments haven't they otherwise it just winds everybody up too much and it just becomes too overbearing which is why my characters had the occasional time to go to the bathroom <laughs> and drink wine and drink wine yeah. <laughs> and take the dog for a walk <laughs> all those things that humans do yeah it's, absolutely Anyway. I, have, I have ordered uh, the book, which unfortunately due to the post hasn't arrived yet because I know it's literally just come out. But, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I read the, the first script. I loved it. And I know you've just tweaked it a little bit. So I'm looking forward to rereading it um, in its entirety now. Uh, it's, I think for people who just want, a lot of people read to escape. It's not a reading to escape. It, although it's, you know, it's the same reason that we all watch a good thriller or a good movie or anything else. We want to be entertained. There is a certain amount of escapism. But as I said, you have a knack that when you when you write that you put the book down. It was very satisfying, but you start seeing things differently. You yes. leave people with a perspective which opens their eyes and sees things differently. And it's always the what if. And that's, you know, it's, about, it's, it's a human book. Yes. The characters are as, are as real. Well, they are real. They're all based on They're people. relatable. You, they're, you know, they are relatable, all of them in every book that you write. And, um, you know, I've got all of your books here on, on selfdiscoverymedia.com. They can go into the bookstore and see the whole layout there. And uh, plus, I've got numerous articles you've written and Hack Writers, your site where other people write for you and you write as well. It's all there. Um, and uh, people can go to samhawksmore.com to catch all your books. Yep, and uh, all my books are available on Amazon. Right. So and, and as Kindle and also in print. Right. And there's nothing better. That's, you know, I've, I've read the script thing and in, in, as you typed it, I do have it in Kindle, but I want the book. I, I like the paper book and turn the pages. You know, that's yeah. that's reading for me. Uh, but, you know, it's... Uh, I believe it. I, you know, when it was all laid out, I couldn't believe how long it is, actually. But anyway. Um, Gosh, 321 pages, so there you go. It's a good read. Yeah, it's it meaty. is. It's meaty. It's meaty. It really takes people down different avenues. Just when you think you know what it's all about, it, it takes you down a different journey. You get become very engaged with the characters, villain or not. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing. Your your people are relatable, and I think for an awful lot of people, you know, reading, you know, that that reminds me of somebody I know. And yeah. that's the thing, it's always reminds you of somebody you know, you know, good or bad. Um, and that's really, I think, the reason why your books stay with people so much and why the storylines are so important, because it is relatable. You may take people off into different worlds, but at the same time, when they put that book down and go, this isn't so far-fetched, this feels very real. Mm. Maybe the next one, I'll beef up Zuki's character in it. You, she, that wouldn't, you wouldn't have seen much of her in the version you read, but Zuki's character has become bigger in it. That's her best friend. Right, right. Yes, so, her, her conscious voice there too, the one of yeah. reason. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. the sidekick, which would be good to see her being beefed up too. Yeah, yeah. Most certainly. So uh, this, is, this book is out right now on Amazon. Right now. Find it, and they can also find it on your site, samhawksmore.com. Yeah. So, 
what's next? I know you've got a space book to write or a space. Well, that's, I might do the space book next, which is actually called Planet B. And because um, there is no Planet B. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another common one. <laughs> that is a common theme in there. You know, the, the people selling an illusion. Yeah, right? but now this is about that. And it, in the script, you know, when I first wrote it, it was 150 pages, which is too long. And then to enter it into a competition, they wanted 120 pages. You try throwing away half an hour of your script. It's, it just gets pared down, pared down, pared down. But then as I was doing that, I think, you know what? I think I'll write this as a novel because then I can expand the universe again. We want that. We want yeah. an expansion. We don't want things diluted. Yeah. You no, know, we want that. We're hungry that, for that. That's what happens in movies. You know, whenever you see, you've read a book and they do a movie adaptation, it's about, think about all the things they've had to discard to be able yeah. to cram it down into 100 to 120 minutes. Yes. And that's Which why, why we see. long form television is now, is what people want because they right. want more depth. Yeah, you know, again, like the dark materials, taking each book as a trilogy, taking each book and making it so many episodes each book, you really are getting the storyline and it not being yeah. condensed and blown over like the movie was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you can get immersed in it. We want to become immersed into the book. We want it to leave us with something. We want so to be able to refer back to it. That's my next lockdown novel. <laughs> well, you've got another six months, love. So. Uh, <laughs> Plenty to do in the next six months. <laughs> anyway, look, I wish you the best. And, I wish uh, you too. And twenty one, uh, stay alive, where yeah. you are. Stay optimistic. Yeah. Yes, optimistic. Yes. <laughs> um, and read this book. Room. Yeah, yeah, and read. Uh, we feel your pain. Yes, and and not only that, all of his other books that you can get hold of because you know you're in lockdown, and you know when you when you've got a taste of a good author, you want to read what else he's written as well. I've got all of his books on the shelf over there, and uh, it, I promise you, you'll be intrigued. It will take you into um, other worlds that really feel very relatable in this world. So plenty for you to read from Sam Hawksmore and also Sam North way back books so they can find oh, those yeah. as well and Definitely. look at, and look at hackwriters.com as well because uh, it's your magazine that many people write for plus you've written stacks of stuff on there as well um you know there's plenty to be immersed into we'll be going into our 22nd year wow online crazy wow. yeah nothing. yes okay nothing crazy <laughs> 20 20 second years 22 years of of dedication yeah, yeah. mad yes but anyway. you know, it's your legacy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just think about when I first started, it was only hamsters and a wheel making it all work. So. Same um, old hamsters, they just look a bit grey now. Yeah. <laughs> they want to retire, but I won't let them. <laughs> anyway, happy 2021, Sarah. Yes, to you too, my love. And to everyone else, please get this book. Um, I promise you, you will be very intrigued with it. And then you will want to read the rest of his books. And you can find them all here on selfdiscoverymedia.com and on sandhawksmore.com. Until next yeah. time, folks. Bye for now. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.